Welcome to SCD Church's podcast. You can always join us for our live services Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings out at our West Auditorium. You can also tune into our services live online at seacoastgrace.org or on our YouTube and Facebook pages. Thanks so much for listening. Well, good morning. Can we give these guys a hand, Mark and the worship team? They're just... There are moments we need to come and be with God and be with each other and they do such a great job leading us in, uh, in worship. We appreciate it. Good morning. You all right? You survived the hurricane? For all five of you that were here last week, I told a story about the real Christians who were here last week. Uh, I told, I told a story about my cousin calling him up and not realizing he was in an actual hurricane a few years ago and was in a church basement held down and things were getting knocked, knocked down all, all around. And so uh, last week um, during our hurricane, he called me <laughs> from Charleston and wanted to know how our hurricane was going. And he checked in with me over the next 24 hours or so. I think he was kind of laughing. Finally, I had to tell him the only damage we received was the damage to our attendance. And, uh, so, you can repent. God will forgive you. I may or may not, but those of us who were here had a great time. Hey, listen, uh, we, I'm from Illinois. Illinois, and t- uh, when I was there, was the number one corn-producing state. Now, I don't know what it means when I left. It dropped to number two, slightly less corny now that I'm not there. But every year, we just pick a Sunday, just a random Sunday in the summer, and just serve corn. We just do it just for fun. And so today, on your way out, stop by and get a corn on the cob. It's really good. It's fresh. We have kettle corn. They have corn dogs. I think he has cornmeal in it, right? Does it? I don't know. Anyway, it's all kinds of stuff on the, on the courtyard. Stop by. And I thought in honor of that, we ought to get started with some jokes. Uh, let's see. Uh, what does a pirate pay for corn? Buccaneer. All right. Um, what, is a, what does corn say when it gets compliments? Oh, shucks. There you go. That's good. The rest of you got to keep up. There's a couple of them back here. All right, let's see. What do you say to Mays when it graduates from high school? Congratulations. They're getting worse. I could tell. Let's see. Um, do you know why corn stalks are afraid of Jimmy? Because he cracked corn and he don't care. If you don't get that, talk to somebody with gray hair. We get it. It's the original rap. Anyway, so I, I did one more last night. It was so bad, I'm quitting today. The guys in the booth said, don't tell the last one. It was, so, it was even worse. So I won't tell that one, but ask me later. I'll tell you, okay? Anyway, hey, uh, we're doing this uh, series about making Jesus king of your life. And um, yeah. Oh, by the way, can I say one, just, just off the cover, one corn story? A number of years ago, I, I did this thing back in the Midwest where I, I traveled and, and, and recorded uh, on different places uh, to make some point, or maybe I just wanted to do a trip. I don't remember. It was a long, long time ago. But I was in a, a farm field in Illinois, and I was trying to prove how kind of, you know, earthy I am. And so I, I, I figure city folks don't know that corn on the cob, right off the stock, you don't need butter, you don't need salt, anything. It's really sweet. It's really good. So to prove the point, we're out in this field. Cameraman's there. I'm videoing. Now, you need to understand about the field I was in, okay? It's by a farmer's house, a friend of my brother's, and, um, and, and he has corn, uh, but only the last uh, two rows are sweet corn. Do you know there's such a thing as field corn? Yeah, that's fed to animals? Yeah. 
So, um, so I'm doing this, this deal, and we're recording, and, and so I, I'm, I'm standing there, and I'm doing my deal, and I reach in and grab an ear of corn, and I pull it out, and I'm talking, I'm unpeeling, you know, like Farmer John here, and I, and I take a bite, and I realize I've reached one row too many. But I've done a great talk so far, and I don't want to start over. And so I'm chewing and talking and chewing, and as soon as we stopped, I spit that thing out. It was awful, and nobody ever knew the difference until today. So I've been doing this series, <coughs> uh, Making Christ the King of Your Life. <coughs> There's a whole lot of aspects to that. It actually, um, it actually affects every part of your life, or at least it should. And so uh, today I want to talk about what do you do when you realize that there is a king, and he is a good king, a perfect king, and that his intentions for you are even better than your intentions for you, and he has the power to make it happen. What do you do? Well, you do a number of things. Uh, you, you bow down, you make him king of your life, you worship. Uh, and you serve. You serve at the king's pleasure. King, what would you have me do? What place in the kingdom do you want me to take? What is it you want me to do? And what's great about this particular king is that he created you specifically for a specific place that nobody else can fill in the kingdom. And when you bow down and you say, I am your citizen, you are my king, what would you like me to do? You begin to find the opportunity to serve. Here's what it says in John 15, 8. This is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. How do we know people are disciples? There are several ways in Scripture. One of them is bearing much fruit. And so if we're going to be citizens of the kingdom, we have to be intentional, aware of uh, bearing much fruit. And one of the most consistent, best ways to bear fruit is to serve, is to begin to serve. And so, and I happen to actually believe that this is the funnest part of being a Christian. I think if you're trying to be a Christian by keeping the rules, it's awful. It's awful. If you're trying to be a Christian because, you know, it's, I don't know, I just, I feel guilty. It's awful. When you begin to serve, you begin to understand not only does God love you and that he's going to take you to heaven someday uh, because you've made Jesus king of your life, but that there is some really fun stuff he wants you to do now. Some really meaningful stuff he wants you to do now. And you begin to realize that the whole world around you has been lying to you. The point of life is not to be famous. The point of life is not to be rich. The point of life is to serve the king. Because when you're serving the king, you're doing what you're created to do. There is such fulfillment and joy in that. And you think, well, he's kind of recruited us to volunteer. That's coming at the end. But that's not the point of this talk. Let me... Let me uh, share something. I read a guy named Warren Wearsby um, uh, wrote many years ago, talking about serving. Serving takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. There's four parts of that. That's a powerful definition. Takes place when divine resources, what God has to give, meet human needs, what humans have, uh, are empty and, and need filled with, through loving channels, and here's, here's the bottom line, to the glory of God. If we think about that, we get to be those loving channels. We get to be a part of that. Acts says this. Uh, uh, there's this, this person who is uh, disabled and is begging. And here's what Peter says. Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. I love that passage because Peter is not, I, you know, I got it all together. I got it all figured I can help you. No, no. What I do have, though, I will share with you. And what he had was the power of the Holy Spirit working through him. So we respond to the king by choosing to serve. How do we serve? Well, we serve, first of all, 
in and with our hearts. We are not reservoirs, we are channels. We are not reservoirs, we are channels. God will work in you and through you. He wants to change you in the process of you helping others. When you help others, when you serve, God does a work in your heart. He begins to do three things. Let me give you three things that come to mind on this one. Uh, He will purify. In serving, we get our motives straightened out. None of us have pure motives. I don't even have pure motives for being up here. But I have to tell you, I've spent a lot of time this week praying that God would purify my motives so there would be a whole lot less Doyle and a whole lot more Jesus on stage here today. A number of years ago, I, I heard this speaker, and I like this speaker's style. You know, you're a young you're a pastor, and you're trying to figure out your place and your voice and all this stuff. And, and I heard this speaker, and I really liked him, so I decided I'd try it the next Sunday. And so I did a sermon, kind of like I thought he would do it, wrote it out and shared it. And I walked out, and a gentleman, I can remember right where, I was, where he was standing, right where I encountered him, and he said, wow, there's a lot of Doyle in that talk today. And he was right. He was absolutely right. And what he meant was there's too much Doyle and not enough Jesus. And I, and I knew exactly because he was right. I was trying this thing. It didn't work. I, it, wasn't, it wasn't the right thing. It, it, was, it didn't work. I still hate the guy, by the way. I just want you to know that. I, <laughs> don't, don't try that correction stuff on me. No, I'm sorry. I remember it because it was important because I knew it and he knew it. And every week I just prayed, God, just get, get me. Because a lot of Doyle, that's true my whole life, you know. A whole lot of Doyle. It needs to be a lot more Jesus because he's the king. Not Doyle, all right? So a part of what we ha- that happens when we serve, we begin to realize that we're serving not as the king, we're serving as a representative of the king, and so we need to be about the king and not about our image or impressing people or whatever it might be. There's a way to serve that's unhealthy. It's serving out of my own, my own neediness. I, a number of years ago, I had someone doing a ministry thing that wasn't working. And we informed them, we're not going to be doing this anymore. And they said, but you don't understand how much I need to be doing this ministry. Well, that's the problem with the ministry. Because it's about you. It's not about the people you're serving. And so we need to kind of let the Holy Spirit, as we're serving, change our hearts, purify us. Here's what it says in 2 Corinthians. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. If it's really about the King then my service needs to be about the king. It'll change my heart. Purify and clarify. Another thing that happens when you begin to serve is we begin to find our calling. Here's what it says in 2 Peter. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. Uh, I think one of the most wonderful things you can do in life is to discover your gifts. To discover what God made you to do and to use them for kingdom benefit. They're saying, well, only pastors and singers have gifts. And it's not true. It's not true. There are guys out there right now making corn who have gifts of hospitality. They have gifts of serving, and they're using it. The truth is, you remember, here's one of my favorite ones. A woman walks by. She's at the, when we first started the church down in Sioux Beach, which we're reopening on September 10th, by the way. I think I mentioned that last week. Um, she walks by the front door of our little church. We don't have any people at that point. We're just starting. And, and somebody at the front door who was greeting smiled and said hi. She was actually on her way past us going to the Catholic church down the street. And um, the person said hi. And just the warmth of their smile and the greeting as she walked by, she stopped, turned around, and came back in. And until they, they retired and moved away, they attended our church. Because a person greeted them 
with such a warm smile. You see, God can use whatever gift he's given you in amazing ways. The problem is you don't ever discover that gift. You don't ever start serving. You're never going to figure out why God put you here. And you're going to spend the rest of your life going, I don't know, was my life worth it? When you are serving, you know why you're here. I'll tell you this. If you go on a mission trip with us or, uh, or build a house or something, I, on that day, so we took a, a bunch of uh, young adults to Central America a few years ago, and we handed out hundreds of pairs of shoes. And as they're handing out the shoes, they're washing the little kids' feet because they're mostly barefoot. They wash their feet and put, put them in the shoes. And, um, and, and they were like, they were like uh, rubber, uh, like uh, what do you call those things? Crocs. Yeah, they were like that. So they didn't need socks or anything. And so they put them on them. And I tell you, every person handing out shoes that day had no doubt why they were on this earth. There was no lack of self-esteem. There was no questioning why I'm on this earth. Because in that moment, they were doing what they were created to do. They were serving. That's what we are created to do. And then as you begin to serve, you begin to serve in just general ways. You might just greet at a door. You might, and eventually you find, well, maybe I'm actually a little more passionate about this and greeting families with their little kids that first time here and want to make them feel comfortable. And you begin to hone in on exactly who it is you're passionate about, it, what it is God wants you to do. And as you do that, you, you lose the doubts about why you're here. You know why you're here because that's what you were created to do. But most people will never experience the joy of that because they never started serving in the first place. Just get started somewhere and let God lead you into that place that he's designed you for. Um, And then uh, to purify, to clarify, and to edify your heart. The truth is that serving is not punishment, but nourishment. It is good for you. It is really good for you to serve. Um, Here's what it says in John 4, 3. Jesus is talking. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Now, when I was a kid, clean your room was a punishment. It was often accompanied by, and if you don't, I'll spank you. So that made it even uh, more clear that it was a punishment. But um, uh, so go clean your room. It it felt like a punishment. Um, There is a famous psychologist who talks to men a lot right now. That's one of the first things he tells guys to do. Clean your room. Because it's the beginning of being intentional about your life. The reality is, is that serving is not something God suggests, nor is he punishing you with it. He is giving you the opportunity to be involved in kingdom work. And there is nothing better than kingdom work. Kingdom work not only helps everybody you, you work with, it is of eternal value. It is incredible for your spirit to give. It is incredible for you to serve. It is an amazing opportunity to do that. I'm at a, a point in life when in the next 30 years or so I could think about doing something else. I'm not. What else am I going to do? There is no golf game that is funner than helping people get their lives together. There is no excursion I could go on. There is no, there, that would be better than watching a young couple get married and helping them make it through those first few years. There is, there's nothing better. It is not a punishment. It is not even just a duty. It is a privilege to serve. And so we begin by changing our heart or letting God change our heart. And so that is the beginning. Second is our hands. Our hands. We are to be distributors, not manufacturers. One of the problems with serving is we don't think, I don't, I don't have any answers. I, you're thinking you have to manufacture the solution. You're not. You're just distributing what God has given you. Remember when Peter said, I don't have much, but I'll give you what I got. That's all God asks. 
Listen to, listen to this. That same passage in the King James. This is how I memorized it growing up, and I like it better this way. Uh, Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. Such as I have, give I thee. Truth is, you don't have to manufacture the problem, the solution to the problem. You just need to give a little bit of what God's given you. Well, what has God given you? Well, we can be distributors of God's grace because God has given you his grace. If you've made Jesus king of your life, you are now in a relationship with God. You're reconciled to your creator through no merit of your own. You didn't earn it. You just received it. That is called grace. If the world needs anything right now, it needs grace. Listen to what this says. Each of you, talking about all Christians, each of you should use whatever gift you receive to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. This is an amazing thing, that we are to be stewards or administrators, or administers rather, of God's grace, sharing God's grace to others. So what does that look like? I'll I'll, I'll just give you a really simple example. So yesterday I pulled up to a four-way stop in my neighborhood. And uh, just as I'm, I'm reaching my hand up to tell the person to come on through, he goes first. And he goes like this. Thank you. And so I go and I turn. And we arrived about the same time. And, it, and now let me just, it's just like, that's a simple everyday thing, right? It, it's just being polite, whatever it is. I, I do it a lot uh, because the competitive nature that I have, I want to go first. Always. And so part of what I'm trying to learn to practice is letting others go first. But let me tell you a weird thing. Whether it's at a stop sign or it's holding the door for someone uh, or it's helping uh, somebody with a packet, just, I want you to try this. Do that and see if you don't get a little shot of something. There is this feeling that happens that goes, oh, that kind of felt good. That, that, that kind of felt good right? That's, that's you administering a little of God's grace. Is it going to change your life? Maybe not. But in the case of the woman who walked by the front door and the person said, hi, that little bit of grace changed her life. She became a Christian after that, by the way. Saved her marriage. The reality is, is that you can grace others with the grace that you've been graced with. See, we live in a world that's hitting each other and banging against each other and competing with each other and going first. How weird is it to have people in this mix who are going, no, no, go ahead. Here, let me hold the door for you. And to just grace someone. Now imagine this. That little bit of holding the door for someone, it makes you feel good. It just does. But imagine if you did something that actually could have eternal impact on their life. How much more would you enjoy extending grace to that person? See, I want to suggest to you that God has divine appointments for you as you go through your day for you to administer God's grace, to extend God's grace to others. And some of them will be as as small as a smile or opening a door. I I had a situation not long ago that I I just said hi to someone in the parking lot here. And and I just made some kind of silly joke. I don't even know what it was. Most of the time I'm embarrassed after I did. I don't know. But I made some silly joke and it's fine. Later, a person came to me and said, do you know what you said to so-and-so? They've been being abused by their significant other and put down. And the fact that you would just stop and say hi meant the world to them. Now I'm freaked out to walk in the parking lot, man. There's a lot on the line here, people. But what if God has those kind of divine appointments? And rather than walking around thinking, I'm just another ant on the anthill and I've got to prove myself by putting someone else down or going for What if we walk around going, I am an instrument of grace. Watch out. God could intervene in any time. 
What if we thought about our lives that way? That's called service. So, um, with our hands, we're distributors of grace and, and ministers of God's grace. We also are distributors of God's comfort. Um, it's a weird thing. And I don't, don't get political on me. I'm not making fun of anybody. I'm just saying there was an uncomfortable moment this week when our president visited Maui. Terrible, terrible disaster. The problem is there's nothing you can say to make that better. There's nothing you can say. And over the years, I, and, and so there have been pundits saying, oh, you really messed it. Here's what we need to remember. We are not manufacturers of solutions. We are conduits of God's grace and God's comfort. You see, what I found, and I've been in a few of those, not as horrendous as that, but people have lost someone or whatever it might be. I found out how many words. I can't say I know what you're feeling because I probably don't, even if I've been through something similar. What I can say is I'm so sorry. I will be here with you. I'll stand next to you. I will cry with you. And I'll pray that God will bring his comfort. That's what I've got. And that's all I've got. But you see, the comfort isn't my words and the comfort isn't coming from me. I am just there so that God can comfort them and I can be a part of that. We don't have to fix it. You're not to manufacture the solution. You're just supposed to be distributors of God's comfort. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. Why? Why? So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. In other words, has God been with you in tough times? Then go be with someone else and, and extend that comfort to them. Say that God is with them. Such as I have, I give unto thee. Remember, that includes comfort. Not only distributors of grace and comfort, but distributors of God's blessings and provision. There is the, there is the, uh, the feeding of the 5,000. By the way, somebody sent me a cartoon yesterday. It's pretty funny because I already had this in my notes since they sent me this cartoon. And the cartoon was uh, the disciples trying to hand out food. And one person says, um, oh, I can't eat this. I'm a vegan. <laughs> and another person uh, says, has that fish been tested for mercury? And another person says, is it gluten-free? In other words, I'm not sure Jesus could do a miracle of uh, feeding of 5,000 today because, you know, it have to be USDA stamped or something. I don't know. Distributed is God's blessing and provision. It says that Jesus, looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. There are times when God's going to ask you <clears throat> to use your hands, take something out of your pocket, and give it to somebody. And when he calls you to do that, just look up and say, thank you for the privilege. Thank you for the privilege. When you see a need, he's going to ask you to do that. When there's somebody struggling, he's going to ask you to do that. He's got plenty more for you. It all came from him anyway. And just say, thank you for the privilege of doing that. It's a change of our heart as we use our hands to give. So we respond with our heart, with our hands, and in humility. In humility. Uh, we're to be servants, not celebrities. We're to be servants, not celebrities. There was a thing going around a few years ago, uh, preachers in sneakers. Evidently, there was a younger generation of preachers that were trying to be famous and hang out with hotshot people, and, and they wore really expensive shoes. I bought these on sale. I don't think I paid 30 bucks. Um, uh, let me just say, I, I, have, um, I have misgivings about selfies in general, maybe because I don't ever look good in them. Uh, but 
when you're doing something good and you're serving, selfies seem inappropriate. Right? You ever seen a celebrity down, you know, handing out food at the food kitchen, getting their picture taken and stuff? You're going, okay, so you're giving, but why? Because it's not the giving that counts, it's the why that counts. Let me just make some points here, and you're thinking, oh, this is going to be uncomfortable. It might be. Um, servants need to be more about service, sacrifice, and the glory of God than being self-centered, self-seeking, and selfish. One is very much the culture we live in, and the other is very counterculture. And the truth is, is that if you're truly going to serve, and you're going to serve the king, not for your own benefit, not for a photo op, but you're going to serve. So I, I was, on a, I was in a, a very remote, um, I shouldn't tell you this is going to come up, but it's all right. Uh, I was in a very remote location working with a, a local who helps feed uh, hungry children. And it was in a tropical region. And he said that some television Christian preacher guy, uh, evangelist type, had showed up and he wanted to be raining. So they had, had to hire a water truck to shoot water onto the village so that it looked like he was in a rainstorm to raise money for these. I'm like, God's not going to honor that. By the way, the TV preacher's not around anymore. I may be around, but he's not on television. See, it, it's just something not right about that. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, no, no, we've got to serve out of, out of a heart of service. Serving God, serving other. It can't be about us. It has to be. When, uh, when I was uh, receiving my ordination, my dad told me, uh, always remember to keep your hands off the, glo- the gold, <coughs> the glory, and the girls. <laughs> Pretty fundamental. Uh, we need to be more about service, sacrifice, and the glory of God. Here's what Matthew 20 says. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And then in Matthew 5, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. There is a way to do good deeds and be seen yourself, or there is a way to do good deeds and point people to Jesus. He's the king. He's the one we're serving. That's what we need to be concerned about. There is a difference between religious activity and, and real service. Uh, There's a difference between magnifying Christ and promoting self. Uh, Here's what it says in John 15. We started with this passage. This is my Father's, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. So here's the challenge I have for you today. Uh, It goes on to say, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Are you bearing fruit? How much fruit are you bearing? And how intentional are you about bearing fruit? Because I'm telling you, one of the greatest ways to bear fruit is to sign up and get involved around here and do something. It is a great way to just put that discipline in your life. And God will not only open doors here to serve, but in other places as well. Here's what instruction for us is in Philippians. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility. Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Whose interests are you looking out for besides yours? You might say, well, my family. Okay, how about beyond that? At what point have you reached that 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 area, that sphere of influence that God has intended for you to have. I just prayed this prayer this week. God, if, if, if it is to be more than, I am, than I'm addressing right now, please show me. I'm willing. If it is to be less, please show me. I'm willing. But I don't want anything less than your best, than your will for my life. Who are you influencing? Who are you serving? What doors is God opening? And maybe part of the issue is you have, because we live, we live in a frightening world. We live in a, a tough world in many ways. 
and it causes us to close down. Listen to this about Matthew 9 about Jesus. Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Uh, A few months ago, we took uh, the pastoral staff on a little retreat and was out in the country. And... um, and the, the, the goat farmer next door turned the goats loose on the property we were on. And among the herd of goats, about 30, uh, there were two sheep. And the sheep act very different than the goats. At least these two did. I think they do in general. And, uh, and so the goats were kind of moseying up, not paying attention to us, just eating all the grass. And the sheep just shot right past us. They came through the gate running full speed and just shot right past us. Shoot. They want to get ahead of everybody. They're just out there. And, and we all turned around and looked at them, and then the sheep stopped and looked and realized they were by themselves out there. The rest of the herd wasn't there. And they just as quickly shot right back past us. And I just pointed, said to the rest of the staff, and that's why the Bible calls us sheep. <laughs> because they, they were just so excited, they just ran, and then they got afraid, and then they ran back, and they were just running everywhere. I think that's the picture we're supposed to get. It's, it's what Jesus had compassion because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. There's a lot of things in the world happening that I don't like. But here's what I need to remember. I, I, I get mad. I, I get mad at evil. I get mad at injustice. I get mad at things. But I have to be careful when I start getting mad at people because they are sheep that don't have a shepherd and just running around trying to find some solution for the emptiness, the fear, the hunger. And the truth is we as servants need to look past the sinfulness, the evilness of a theory or a philosophy and even a behavior and try to find that sheep that we can minister God's grace to. They may not receive it. It's okay. I tried to slow the sheep down. They didn't listen, but I tried. The reality is, is that we are put here for the sheep who don't have a shepherd to help them learn that there is a shepherd, a good shepherd who will guide them into beautiful green pastures. That's a part of our job. And it all has to be motivated by love. In Second uh, Corinthians 5, Christ's love compels us. If you were to take your day, and I, I am afraid to do this, but if you were to take your day and to try to figure out what percentage of your, of your actions, your thoughts, your um, goals are motivated by just pure love, what would it be? Versus ambition duty, responsibility, whatever it might be. We need to be more motivated. I need to be more motivated by love. Now, here's the upside. The upside is that wonderful things happen when we serve God. I believe God pays off in dividends, not because we're earning his favor, because we're responding to his love and we're serving others. I think it pays off. It pays off in the joy and the satisfaction of of caring for people. Um, I think other ways too. So I'm going to end, end, end with this story. It's one of my favorite stories. It happened many years ago. As I, uh, I'm on social media very rarely, but occasionally I'll see something come through. And it's from a particular family that live in Northern California now. And uh, the, the man, the, the husband in this family, um, I met him 25 years ago, maybe more. And he walked into our little church down at the beach. And, uh, and it wasn't even a Sunday morning. It was a Sunday night where we had a, a, a fundamentals class. And he walked in and he had a pair of shorts and flip-flops on. And that was it. And, uh, and I thought he was homeless 
because we had a lot of homeless people come, and, and he sat down, and, and uh, I said, oh, what do you, he told me his name, and so what are you here? He goes, well, I heard his Bible study here, and I need to learn the Bible. Okay, come on in. And, uh, and so he started coming to the church. Eventually, he started wearing, uh, you know, shirts to church occasionally, and so it was nice. And eventually, what happened was he, he got involved, became a Christian, got baptized on a Bolsa Chica beach, I remember it well, and even did some work around the church and helped us out. He was a carpenter and helped us out with some stuff. And, uh, and eventually he found himself, he became a great guy, and, and everybody loved him, and a single guy, and, uh, and eventually found himself at the front door of our little church being the head usher, which was, there was only one usher, but he was the head usher. And, uh, and, uh, and so one day, uh, he's helping people find seats, and he kind of got crowded in there, and, and so he'd have to help him, no, oh, I got one here, you, can, you know, put me. and so one day, a young lady walks in, and, um, and so, okay, this way, and, and he points her, and just shows her, in, and, and she sits down, and he sits down beside her, where, where'd our usher go, what happened to usher? Uh, they've been married now, uh, about 35 years, <laughs> serving pays off. Still going to church, still loving Jesus. His job moved him to Northern California. Uh, by the way, I, I read it once in a while that there's really uh, young people have a hard time, single people have a hard time finding quality, quality mates. You know where I'd go? I'd be an usher. Where are you going to meet somebody better? You met them at church. And if they're serving and you're serving, you both need, at least know you're heading the right direction can't serve for wrong motives, but God can bless you with some really nice stuff when you serve him. Today, I just want to invite you to serve. We, we have a whole bunch of tables, a whole bunch of opportunities out there to serve. Some of them you sign up and do once. Uh, some of them you sign up and do once a month, whatever it is. Um, it says that we're to be fruitful. Uh, and that's not a, that's not a, uh, it's not kind of a suggestion. It's if you want to live for the king and you want the life the king has for you, part of it is serving. It's giving yourself in order to grow, to be closer to Jesus, and to help others. And so today, I want you to stop by, sign up for something. That's not a request. Okay, I'm not king, but I tried. Seriously, if you're not serving, if Jesus has the best for you, why wouldn't you want the best? Why wouldn't you want everything he has for you? It's the funnest part. It's great. By the way, you probably get a friend. It may not be somebody you marry, but... You'll probably get a friend because when you serve together, you work with people, get to know them, you enjoy them. There's a lot of us around here, a lot of friends. You know why? We do a lot of serving. So if you're just a show up on the weekends and disappear kind of person, in and out, anonymous, you're missing the best part. You're missing the community part. You're missing the serving part, the friendship part, the, the stuff that really makes this world really fun. So today, I want to encourage you, stop by, look at what they've got. Just see. And if you've got something else you'd like to contribute to, ask them. They'll put your work somewhere. And sign up. Begin to serve. I guarantee you, uh, it'll change your life for the better. Let's pray. Lord God, we love you. We thank you. You're so good to us. You are, um, yeah, your plan is amazing, Lord. Even in service, we find that you love us more than we thought. Even in, Lord God, in uh, uh, service, we find community. In service, we find meaning and purpose and significance. There are so many things that we're looking for in so many of the wrong places. And Lord God, help us to do life your way. And Lord, we will praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. And remember, we also have live services out in our West Auditorium on Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings. Or you can always join us live online at seacoastgrace.org or on our YouTube and Facebook pages to hear these messages in real time.